You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Here's to the adventure-seeking dog mushers out there. The hundreds of you who stand on the runners dreaming and thinking about the Northern Lights. Of course, there is something else you can do if you've got something to say. Start a podcast with First Paw Media and harness your creative side. Maybe even earn enough money. Enough money to tell yourself, hey, I'm not just a dog musher. I'm a rover. I'm a wanderer. I'm a voyager. I'm an explorer. Visit firstpaw.media. Mush on over today. Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Robert and I am joined tonight by Tony and we are Mushing Radio and we're talking about the long-awaited Goose Bay 150 recap. And it's interesting that we're talking about this race almost a week after it's over. Interestingly as well, this is one of the shortest races that we have covered this year in terms of an adult race and qualifier, just a 150-mile run. But they had all sorts of trouble out there in terms of getting information back from the trail. I guess the trail conditions were really snowy. And being that it's mostly in in our backyard here in Willow and up a little bit of the Iditarod Trail, we have gotten a tremendous amount of snow here this year. I bet we've probably got, what is it, uh, six or seven feet this year here in the south central Region of of Alaska, lots and lots of snow, which is going to pose some interesting travel, I would imagine, out there on Iditarod in a couple of weeks. But let's talk about the much-anticipated finish of the Goose Bay 150. Tony, what do you know? So, yeah, it was was a very snowy finish. Uh, They had quite a bit of snow as the teams came in last weekend. Uh, other than that, we don't really know a whole lot other than what mushers may have told either Kale Casey in his live videos that didn't actually post live uh, due to him not having a strong enough signal. He, he tried to go live many times, but they dropped off. So if you want to see his videos, you can either go to his, his Facebook page or the Goose Bay 150 page. They did upload the interviews after the fact. Um, lots of snow, lots of, lots of interesting tracker issues. I think at one point, like eight trackers were completely missing off of the map. Um, aliens just decided to abduct them and take them on the little Chinese balloon or something. I don't know, but it was just one of those things where it was an old fashioned dog race where you didn't know what happened until somebody reported it at the end of the race. And um, so that's that's what we have. But it, it it was one that every musher that participated has said it's the best race that they've run all season. Uh, they got a little bit of everything in there. Uh, and first place, Dave Turner. I don't know the full story, but he did take a wrong turn, managed to get himself turned around, 
and uh, back on track so that he could finish, which the Goose Bay is known for those wrong turns. Uh, I assume it's very easy with all of those different trails connecting. Uh, it's very easy to take the wrong turn. Yeah, when we did our race preview, I told the story about my uh, wrong turns out there on the on the Goose Bay 150 with uh, Lisbeth and and Monica. Yep, it it can easily happen. And as you're telling that story, I could probably point out exactly where it happened on the map. And it is one of those races that um, that really brings you back to sort of the old style of dog mushing. And, and if you remember. Way back in the day, guys, if you're if you're a big time uh, mushing history fan, this is how the sport got started. We had, uh, you know, mail teams and and uh, transport uh, mushers and that that sort of thing who would get together on the weekends and they would do dog sled races. Now, of course, they weren't held at uh, you know at the local bar with fancy <laughs> banquets well i guess they were but you know it, it was a race it was just the people mm-hmm. coming together to do what they love to do and and prove themselves and you know maybe win a little bit of uh, uh pocket change and just enjoy the sport so that's true alaskan mushing uh, true uh, mushing in in general but uh that's what it harkens back to and i i think that that's why so many people hold this one to a special place because it is that it's not this big budget with this machine that we always talk about with, you know, a ton of judges and veterinarians and volunteers and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, snow machine support and all of that. It's pretty much showing up with your drop bags, lashing them to your sled, taking off down the trail. <laughs> and when you get back, you get back. And then hopefully you can have a nice meal with a few stories and, uh, and move on with your day. I think that that's uh, the appeal to a lot of us mushers. So what else happened uh, out there? Uh, was it a big pool? Did everybody finish? Did we have any scratches? Any interesting stories other than Dave? Sure. So they had, I believe, 19 teams and everybody finished. It was another race where they allowed junior mushers to participate. So you had mushers like Ellen Reddington and Isaac Reddington running with the big dogs. Uh, and doing really well. They uh, both ended up top 10. Uh, Ellen came in sixth and Isaac came in ninth. For the top five, you have, which were the ones that I believe placed in the money, so to speak, you had first place Dave Turner. Second place was Louise Mason. Now, Louise ran dogs out of Tailwind Kennel, which is Jessica, I can never say her last name correctly, collect that. Uh, her her team, and I believe this was Louise's second race ever, and she came in second to Dave Turner. And if you if you follow these races, you know that Dave's teams are pretty speedy, and she was right there with him for that last half of the race. Third place was Mike Parker. He's running out of Jim Lanier's Northern Whites Kennel. Fourth place is Gabe Dunham, and fifth place is Hunter Keith who runs out of uh, Barb and Ramey Reddington's kennel. So, and Hunter, of course, will then go on and do his uh, rookie run in Iditarod uh, next month. So very excited, uh, really strong competitive field of what in Iditarod or Quest, we would say are the middle of the pack type mushers. Um, and but they all, you know, they all were very competitive here. Ryan Reddington also ran. He came in eighth. 
so just a, a really fun race. And I think that's what these mushers need, especially so close to the big race, Iditarod, which uh, several of these teams will be in in March. Okay, guys, before we get much further into this, I'm sure a lot of you guys are hearing something that sounds like snoring on our broadcast. And this is, this is becoming a pretty regular occurrence on Tony's side. And I know that we have, we have justified this before, but a lot of people have asked questions. So before you tell us the story... Uh, Tony, I am sure we we have we have asked people if they could support us in any way. We have somebody that's interested in helping us out with <laughs> maps and time differentials and all that stuff. But we need somebody that can make up some graphics for us for for this dog, and so we can post them on social media because I think this dog is going to have a Twitter feed of its own before too long. But what the heck is going on with all the snoring on this show? Okay, so my family, we don't have sled dogs, we have pug dogs, and my dog Stitch is a very naughty dog, but he just ignores podcasts, and then my parents' dog, Sushi, has been over here the last couple of times we've recorded. He uh, He's an older dog, and my mom is just concerned about his health, even though as far as I'm concerned, I think he's got a few years left in him, uh, so she doesn't want him to be alone, so when they're not able to be home they bring him over to me and he's decided that his favorite place to lay is either right next to me or right under me while we're recording and uh, he's kind of neurotic so he's just snoring he's he breathes he's breathing <laughs> and uh, in one of our earlier uh, recordings tonight he actually climbed up onto the table and was sniffing the microphone so that's sushi. <laughs> okay, so we we need some type of graphics guru out there in our <laughs> Twitterverse, our social media that can make up some memes of this dog sushi, <laughs> and we want to make it uh, Idita famous, as they say on our Iditarod <laughs> coverage, because I think that might, that might give us the push over the neck to the next level if we start promoting this little dog. And uh, maybe is it a female or a male? Oh, it's a boy. He's a boy. Uh, all right. So we're going to put a little bow tie on him or something, a little Hawaiian shirt. I don't know what we have to do to, to make this little dog. His name is Sushi, so we'd have to put him in some type of Hawaiian <laughs> shirt or, or something. Put a, a, a lay around his neck. I don't know what we need to do to make this dog famous. But we need some help out there, guys <laughs> that are listening, uh, to uh, to make this dog famous because he is becoming a part of the show. So we also <laughs> are going to do something that we have been doing on the last few shows. And, and there's, I don't know if you know this, Tony, but this is sort of how the sausage is made or behind the scenes stuff. But there is a rule in podcasting or in video production or just about anything is there's a hook at the end. And that is to encourage our listeners to listen through the entire episode to listen to the hook. Number one rule in podcasting is never end the show before you want it to end. So do not say, well, that's all I have, but will you please subscribe? Nope. They're going to turn it off when you hear that's all I have. So <laughs> we have a little bit of a hook for you. We've done this on the quest show. We've done this on a couple other shows, but we have a couple of interesting updates. The first one, I know you just talked about juniors running 
in this Goose Bay race. Coming up on Sunday, I am recording an episode with, what is their, what's their last name? Robinson. Yes, the Robinson. The Robinson kids. Uh, Emily and her brother, Stanley, is that right? Yes, Stanley. Emily and Stanley are going to be on the show. Both of them are going to have their own episode and we are going to tell their story about how they got involved with mushing. And we wanted them on because, my goodness, Emily is just tearing it up out there on the trail. Can you give us a quick recap of what this young lady has done this year? Oh, gosh. She has run the Yukon Quest Alaska 80 and beat out everybody. She just finished the Willow Junior 100, beating out the competition, though it was a very close finish on that one. Uh, she ran, what else did she run? Was it the, she's run a couple of others and now they escaped me, but she has just been on fire. It doesn't matter if it's a junior race or if it's one that's a junior mixed with uh, senior mushers. Uh, she, uh, she just, she, she does not, she has no fear. She just goes and does it all with the dogs and does really well. She beat her dad in a race not too long ago. I think that was the Willow 300 now, come to think of it. So, yeah, she uh, she's impressive. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having those guys on to talk. And that will air, I believe, Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. So make sure you stay attention nice. to your podcast feed. And another update is earlier this week we had on Barbara Reddington on the show mm-hmm. to talk all about the Junior Iditarod. And this is going to be a pretty special show because, of course, we talk about this year's race, but we dive way deep into the past of the Junior Iditarod. I don't know if a whole lot of people know this, but Barbara ran her first race or her first time in the inaugural race, is that correct? And what was it, 1978 or 1979? Yeah, I'm not sure if it was the inaugural, but it was one of the first ones. I think she said it was the second race. Second race, okay. But what a great episode. I mean, not only does this lady know everything about everything mushing, I mean, she, she could have, we could have, yeah, we could have talked to her for hours, I'm sure. But uh, she gave us a, a very interesting perspective. She she gave her reasons mm-hmm. why uh, the the junior I did rod is so important, what the future holds from her perspective, and what's some of the biggest changes in the race after all of these years. And and we really talk about a who's who of mushing and all the people mm-hmm. that have run that race and then gone on to do not only a heck of a lot of good things in the sport, but a lot of good things in their communities as well. And I think that that mm-hmm. is the real take-home message, just about how influential this has become to a lot of these uh, uh, young people back then who now, I mean, after all this time, they some of them are, are grandchildren now. Is that right? Yeah, you know, I mean, you've got the the Reddingtons in there, and and they're obviously grandchildren. So it's there's a legacy there. There's a legacy, and Barb was so I don't want to take any anything away from her interview, but she was so keen on bragging about all of the junior mushers, not just the ones that go on to race the Iditarod and, and the big races, 
but also the ones that didn't stay necessarily in the sport, but have gone on to do other things, like you said, in their communities. She's just so proud of each and every one of these finishers and that race that uh, I, I can't wait for people to hear it because Barb is just fantastic to listen to. Yeah, so pay attention to your podcast feed that will drop earlier next week, and it's going to be one that you want to don't want to miss because the Junior Iditarod starts next weekend, just one week mm-hmm. away from that one, and then just a week following that is our Iditarod coverage. I know we talk about that on our previous shows, but we're going to start our nightly coverage on the night of the banquet, whatever day of the week that is. I believe March second. That's my birthday. Uh, we'll be talking about, Ooh. yes, yes, I, I will uh, be talking about that on my birthday at some point, and then we will continue on for the better part of two weeks until we get to the banquet. And one last note on that, we are hoping that somehow next year we can take the show on the road a little bit and maybe hit <laughs> up uh, some of the Iditarod Trail and bring you some live coverage. I don't know if you know this, Tony, but... Um, it's something we've talked about for a long time here on the podcast. So we might need to get some fancy equipment like some of the guys have <laughs> on the Quest. I don't know if you saw that comment that I put out there on the Yukon Quest Alaska side, but I was inquiring to the radio station up there. I don't know what it is. K- yep. K-N-A-C or something. K-U-N-A-K. K-U-N-A-K. Hey, what equipment are you using out there? That's a fancy microphone. I'm going to have to get one of those and maybe we'll take the show on the road a little bit. Uh, you, me, and Michelle uh, hitting some of the Iditarod Trail. I don't know about a snow machine, but maybe we can get at least to Nome. So we'll see how it goes. Tony, anything else on the quest, or excuse me, the, the Goose Bay 150 before we go? No, other than to just uh, mention the, the awards that they handed out for sportsmanship. It was Emily Ford, who I believe this was her first race. Uh, humanitarian award went to Josh Armstrong and then the red lantern was Michaela O'Connor. There you go, guys. That is the goose Bay One Fifty. Definitely a race that you should pay attention to in the coming years. They are going to be a force to be reckoned with, even though it's old school, old fashioned Alaskan <laughs> mushing. I think it's uh, it's going to be one that'll be around for a little while. Tony, it's been a pleasure. We'll talk to you real soon. And on behalf of my co-host, This is Robert for Mushing Radio. See you guys next time. Goodbye. From DogWorks Radio, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. Your host is Robert Forto. Our producers are Michelle Forto, Alex Stein, and Tony Ryder. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for DogWorks Radio and First Paw Media.